don't make me turn this car around. <laughs> All right. Hello and welcome to Thinking Religion. I'm Thomas Whitley. I'm Sam Harrelson. Well, Thomas, uh, it's raining in Columbia. Uh, it has been raining here today, but it's done now. So that's good. Yeah. I mean, we need it because the pollen is yeah. terrible. We've had pollen smog this spring. Oh, really? <laughs> have you ever heard of pollen smog no which but i, I would think I, if it's a thing we should have it here like it's it's bad enough some days here you can literally taste it yeah oh that's i mean this is like they're clouds of smog so the first time i saw this i, I was at a a uh, ubiquitous shopping center here in columbia and i'm walking in and i, I could do my thing and then i come out and it's really like hazy but it's not you know, kind of like haze, like L.A. type haze. It's, it's this yellowish smog. And and I thought, okay, is this the end of the world? You know, <laughs> what's What did I walk out into? And it's this kind of post-apocalyptic looking, you know, maybe a nuclear cloud. You're not really sure. Um, but it, it's everywhere, and it's absolutely terrible. So, you know, not only is your car covered, but uh, I was downtown a couple of days ago just walking around, and... I was wearing a white shirt, and I noticed like I had yellow on my white shirt from the from the pollen smog. Wow! So so people are walking around with uh, you know like medical masks. Yeah. And uh, bandanas around their masks or around their face, especially all the moped drivers in Colombia, because evidently we have a very efficient police department when it comes to DUIs, because lots and lots <laughs> of adults are driving mopeds, and it's uh yeah. So anyway, that's not good. What? So I'm I'm thankful for the rain. That's a good thing. Yeah, the rain's down in Africa. <laughs> it's going to take me a lifetime to get a to get over. No, was it? It's going to take. Those harmonies are, are pretty killer. Yeah. Though. So uh, what's his name? Dak Shepard, and who's he married to? Um, do you see? I it? think you're thinking of uh, Kim Kardashian. No, 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 no. Um, who's he married to? Kristen Wiig or something like that. I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> Dax Shepard? Dax Shepard, yeah. I don't know. Uh, That's who he is. Um, who is it? What does he do? Let's see. Why would I know him? Oh, he's a, he's an actor. Um, who is he married to? But anyway, they did this like um, video when they were like traveling in Africa. Um, <laughs> and... He and his wife or partner or whomever she is. Um, yeah, Kristen. Who is uh, Kristen Bell? That's who it is. And so they did it like they did their own music video to the Toto song. Oh, God. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty funny. It's pretty have, funny. have you watched that video lately, the, the Toto video? I Well, not in the past week or so, but yes. Nope. <laughs> Recently <laughs> enough. Like in the Toto fan club? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, not not today, right. but <laughs> it's actually you know a week and a half ago. I must admit, um, no, but yeah, recently enough to remember how crazy <laughs> that video is. It's it's terrible. It, it's like a it's like the uh, what makes the red man red song in uh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> in Peter Pan, and and the part where they <laughs> the black people come in <laughs> and burn the the tents down at the end. Um, but I don't know how, why were we talking about Dax Shepard? Oh, we're talking about the rains down in Africa and then then we were going to probably segue into purple rain as you have to do right now. Right. Yeah. That's where I was going with the weather. Yeah. You're, you're, we've been doing this for too long. (laughs) (laughs) It's very strange. Uh, yeah. So Prince died. Very sad. Um, we've lost Bowie, Merle Haggard and Prince all, all in the span here of, uh, three months, four, four months. Very sad. Yeah. Um, it's interesting uh, because it's it is in some ways uh, the reaction to Prince's death both larger and smaller than I, than I expected. If that makes any yeah. sense. So, for instance, it's been odd to see wall to wall news coverage of it, um, but then it's also been odd to like not everybody is talking about it. If that makes sense. So I don't know. It's a, it's like an odd kind of way that where it's a really big deal in some arenas, but not in others. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I texted my mom cause I, she liked, uh, you know, all, all the white people songs like little red Corvette and all oh, the white people songs. <laughs> it's great. You know, 
not not that he was a minstrel singer, but uh, you know, right? Um, couple, of, it, it's a fascinating story. So uh, originally, um, his record label Atlant was it Atlantic, whatever his record label was. They they wanted to put him on the quote you know sort of black audience radio right. like like the the um, focus on that because back then you know in, in the uh, late seventies that was you know definitely a, a segmentation that you would do. And he insisted that he'd not be put on like the the R and B label or sub label, but you know stay in the pop category. So like he and Michael Jackson and, and those folks kind of came along in the early '80s and really transformed how we <clears throat> how we listen to radio based on race, which is interesting. I'd never thought about that, but um, I knew my mom was a big well, not a big fan, but she was a fan, and um, she was like surprisingly emotional about it, you know and. Uh, so I, I was talking to my dad uh, later yesterday and, and said something about, yeah, you know, Prince died. And he's like, what, really? And I was like, yeah. I mean, you know, my dad's not a, uh, you know, an emotional guy. But he responded in, in such a uh, strange way to me because I, I don't really think of him getting, it, you know, worked up over like a musician dying, right. particularly someone like Prince. You know, I, I remember in 1991, <laughs> we, my, my parents were very oddly liberal when it came to TV viewing habits. And we were watching the MTV awards. I think I was like 11 or 12. And it was the very famous, uh, performance where Prince did, um, uh, get off, what, get off. Was that the song? Dun, 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 dun. I'm not going to sing for you. <laughs> Why not? Um, yeah, it's get off. Yeah. Right. Get off. And, and he turns around and he's got like the assless, uh, the assless chaps on or whatever. Yeah. Chaps. <laughs> right. And I, I remember watching this and they're like people gyrating and it was the sexiest thing ever on TV up to that point. And, uh, and I'm sitting there watching this with my parents and I was like, wow, okay, this is interesting. But, um, yeah, so my, uh, my parents and then like people on Facebook are going nuts, but someone broke down like his sales and he was kind of on par with like Phil Collins, you know, when yeah. it comes to popularity levels according to sales, um, or, or like David Bowie. Right. So when Bowie died, like the whole internet had this big kvetching as well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was a big Bowie fan before and, you know, and not that, you know, it's kind of like when Jerry Garcia or Kurt Cobain dies and you're like, no, you're all posers. You know, this isn't, <laughs> you don't know what you're, right. what you're doing. Um, Stop posting about my person. Uh, I mean, I, can't, I felt a little bit of that with Bowie, but with Prince, I, you know, I can't imagine being someone who's a lifelong fan and seeing, you know, all of us go, "Oh, Prince, I can't believe he's dead." And I don't know. It's it's a it's a strange thing, especially for Bowie and Prince. I think because they were such gender bending, right? Exactly, bending figures in, in pop culture, right? Right, so, and kind of both played that role for like Bowie kind of played that role for uh, white people, and Prince played that role for black people. So it's kind of, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it obviously sucks for both of them to to die at the at the age they did, and you know, in the same year. But it kind of puts it in um, a really interesting relief when you think about it from that perspective of kind of the gender bending aspect of both of them. Um, and, you know, obviously, uh, related to that, some, you know, sexuality and things like that, um, really has gotten more people talking about these things. I mean, these questions have been kind of big, become kind of, you know, growing over the past uh, couple of years anyway. But I, I do think that Bowie's death and I, and I expect that a similar thing will happen, uh, from Prince's death now will kind of spur the conversation on a little bit more yeah i I totally think so just because for the first time it feels like our culture or you know mainstream american culture whatever that means uh is not just sort of saying like oh well yeah prince i mean it's kind of weird but like his music or david bowie like oh he's you know kind of strange and he's got those two weird eyes and he dresses like a girl but i mean yeah, you know, just dance. Come on, who doesn't like that song? <laughs> yeah, right. And it, I, I, not that those two self-identified men, you know, kind of paved the way for um, that that openness that we're getting to now. But it, it feels, especially, with, I don't know, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, with, with the blowback that a, a lot of like state legislatures are, are trying to cause against things like uh, transgendered bathroom usage. Right. Um, 
in North Carolina it, and in, uh, was passed in North in Carolina and, and uh, what was passed and then vetoed in Mississippi, what's being what proposed now in South Carolina. Yeah, but it's, it, I mean, it's by a, a wacko far right guy named Lee Bright who ran for governor and got like 6%. He's just, he's in a very uh, highly contested election this, this fall. So he's trying to raise the stakes. Uh, this is from the same county where the sheriff just said that the NAACP is like the KKK. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> my, my beloved Spartanburg County. Um, yeah, he's he's just trying to uh, do election year stuff. And, and the governor and most of the state legislatures always already said there's no way this will pass in South Carolina because we have BMW and Michelin and right. <laughs> these companies yeah. that pay our bills um, and, and Volvo and Boeing now. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, it's just fascinating to me that that. We're at this weird point in American culture where we've had exposure to this, and now it's almost as if, you know, it's not just, oh, well, that's those weird guys like Bowie and Prince or Michael Jackson even, you know, who who we can kind of use as Paschal Lambs and say, like, oh, you know, here's this burden that we have about gender and identity, and we don't know what to do with it, so we're going to put it on the shoulder of Bowie. Right. Um, You know? Right. Because so now we have Lady Gaga, but we also now have Caitlyn Jenner. Right. But but we all know someone who's transgender, you know, perhaps or we know someone who is gay. We know someone we have a good friend who is a different color than us. And it feels like things are changing for the I mean, for the better as far as you know progressivism goes. Um, but it's also also threatening the worldview of white male hetero you know, normativity uh, in, in that regard. So I don't know. Yeah. It's well, and that's only that's only exacerbated by the fact that today, the day after Prince died, uh, Merriam-Webster announces that cisgender and genderqueer have been added to their unabridged dictionary. Yep, exactly. So you know, it's it's official now because it's in the dictionary. So, and it it rained over um, Paisley Park Studios today, and then a rainbow. Uh, I saw that. Up here. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. So everybody was like, like Prince's message and all that <laughs> stuff. Like that's exact. Yes, that's exactly how we should describe this natural phenomenon. <laughs> Thanks, Prince. Yeah. And that wasn't a rainbow uh, in the Bible either. With the- no, it was a different kind of bow that was outstretched. Yes. Have you seen? Have you seen Ricky Gervais do that where he reads the children's story of um, the of the flood story? It's like a children's book version of the flood story. Yes, I have. it's like 15 <laughs> minutes long. It is uh, linked down the show notes. Yeah, it is. It is one of my favorite, um, like kind of bits ever up there with um, Eddie Izzard doing the Ten Commandments. Right? <laughs> uh, Cuff that numbers. Yeah, never piss in a toaster. <laughs> Put your poo on your head. You're just making these up. <laughs> oh, Eddie Izzard doing yeah. a Eddie Darth Vader, great, in the, right? In Eddie Izzard, you know, transvestite comedian. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, just didn't even think about that. He's just, you know, a hilarious guy. Um, but yeah, it's fascinating because you know we had this monoculture for so long, a couple of decades, of of sort of ma- you know mainstream American culture with with blue jeans and James Dean and Marilyn Monroe. And then we would have, you know, the, these people of color who sort of gave us that that release valve. You know, we, we had Chuck Berry, we had B.B. King, we had, uh, you know, the jazz movement, and we had incredible musicians in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and, and of course before, but uh, especially during those times of heightened racial sensitivity where otherwise conservative white people with butch haircuts would – really, you know, get down to some Chuck Berry and then go home and put on their KKK hoods. But it was like this, um, this kind of tribalistic release, you know? Yep. And then in the sixties we had the hippies and guy, you know, I don't like the Beatles long hair, but man, I love me that song, you know? And, and Sergeant Pepper is a good album, but no, they're, they're doing the LSD and I'm, I would never do that. And I'm not going to smoke pot. <laughs> um, and you know, and then in the seventies it became kind of this identity of, gender and things like that, again, with Bowie and Prince and Jackson that, that we kind of moved into. So it's it's fascinating to see that and, and to think about the effects that these uh, these artists have on our individual psyches as, you know, release valves, but also as, as agent provocateurs to help us get past these otherwise perceived cultural norms that need to be broken down. I don't know. Maybe that's giving them too much credit, but I think it's 
you know, very interesting to, to see those, um, those connections. Well, yeah, I agree. And that also, you know, it ties into what we're seeing going on in Tennessee too, right? With, um, their house and Senate passing a bill, uh, diverting almost half a million dollars away from, um, any kind of diversity, like a diversity and in, in inclusivity office in their state universities. Yeah. Which is, which is kind of crazy. Um, <clears throat> you know, thinking about like 2016 and what we're talking about and all the conversations about Bowie and Prince and everybody. And then it's like, but we want to re we want to recruit minorities, except not really like we don't, we don't want you to actually like be welcoming to them. We just want them to come to help our stats. And then that's it. Like, well, it's kind of like what the, that sheriff of uh, Spartanburg County said about when he was uh, relating his feelings of the NAACP with the KKK and he defended himself the next day to, I think, Politico or Washington Post or something and, and reiterated, reiterated what he exactly. said. It was, just, it was worse than what he said originally. Yeah, because yeah, he brought in that, that sort of trope of, well, just like Martin Luther King, I think we should all be colorblind and I'm not going to judge someone by the color of their skin. And that's kind of what the people in Tennessee or the legislators in Tennessee are, are, are saying with tongue in cheek of, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't judge someone by color. And if you, you know, we're all equal. So, yeah, you know, it doesn't matter about gender. We don't need Title IX um, and we don't need minority scholarships because you should be evaluated by your merit. And it's that. Right. Yeah. It's that backwards sort of. um privileged speak which on the surface makes sense like of course yes let's all be colorblind let's all be genderblind that sounds wonderful but that's not anywhere near reality right. especially it's not how the world works and and it, and it doesn't take into account the way that systems work either yep i mean it, it's a what was the quote here from the article um it would also ban the use of state money to encourage gender neutral pronouns or to promote or inhibit the celebration of religious holidays. Which I think is really fascinating. That, you know, we're so worried about pronouns and keeping transgendered people out of our bathrooms. Right, so so I liken it to... This is interesting, right? Of course, we have to talk about politics. But uh, so there was a big kind of hubbub yesterday over the Trump campaign and Trump saying um, that, like, yes, he would... He thinks it's fine for a transgender person to use whatever restroom they wanted to, because they asked like, "Oh, if Caitlyn Jenner came into Trump Tower, you know," and he said, "Yeah, she should use whatever restroom she wants to." And of course, Ted Cruz jumps on this and is like, "Trump says that your little daughter should go to the bathroom with grown men." And like, what? Yeah. That's not what he said. Okay, but but when he was asked if he had any transgender people working for him, he said, "I honestly don't know, but I probably do." And so yeah. from in my head, I think like, yes, that's the reality for most people. And it was it's kind of like this whole fight the Boy Scouts of America was having a couple of years ago over like, well, we can't have gay scouts and gay leaders. No, you already do. You just don't know it. Right. It's like saying you can't have a gay priest. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. We There are plenty yeah. of them. Right. And, you know, we know plenty of other gay pastors that uh, for whatever reason and their denomination can't be out, um, but they exist. Right. And. And then when you, you know, what happens a lot of times is people realize and they're like, oh, but you're normal, <laughs> right? And it's like, wait, well, what does that mean? But yeah, this, I don't know. It, it's, uh, I have a lot more thoughts that I probably should, should not have recorded, you know, to go <laughs> into the ether and last forever. So I'll keep some of those to myself. <laughs> but it, it's interesting kind of how all of this is coming together, I think at the same time uh, with around kind of all, <clears throat> all of these issues you know, kind of being spurred on by this so-called you know religious liberty movement that's that's uh, kind of taken over the right, which is what you and I called right last year uh, yeah. after the Hobby Lobby decision. We said this is where it's going to go. It's going to be you know we saw it in Indiana, right? This is going to be the fight that because they think they can win this one. I don't think they can, but they think they can, and that's exactly what we've seen. That's where we've seen the fight go since then. It's you know this is my religious liberty to be able to you know, discriminate against someone or, you know, to, well, to protect li religious liberty so that we can discriminate. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I've, I've been really fascinated by the, uh, willingness of business leaders to step up. So for instance, here in South Carolina, you referenced that terrible bill by Lee Bright. Um, again, who I have no love loss for and, um, a number of, of 
town mayors and the hospitality association. Yeah, yeah, I saw that This group. Yeah, they they wrote this scathing letter to the legislature and they were like, if you do this, you're, you know, you're idiots. And also, this is what's going to happen. So, you know, not just the Googles and Apples and Facebooks of the world and the Bruce Springsteens of the world, but it's it's interesting for me to see the the business reaction from the Chamber of Commerce side of things uh, to these religious liberty bills. Because um, even in Mississippi, you had the same thing, or right. in North Carolina, you had the same thing. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I mean, like business leaders know it doesn't it just doesn't make good business sense, and that's really what most of them care about. Um, and that's you know that it, it's interesting. I mean, the political race um, has changed so much over the past year. I mean, it's it's unfathomable, right? How much it's changed. But one of the things that we talked about early on in this race was. Part of Ted Cruz's problem, gaining money, like make raising money early on in the race, was that I mean, from what I was reading and hearing, uh, was that a lot of big donors kind of privately were saying, uh, "We think Ted Cruz believes what he's saying, <laughs> right? He's a true believer, and we don't like that because that's bad for business." Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we can work with Donald Trump, and that's kind of how we've you know, been seeing them go the past month or so and what I fully expect the party to do anyway. They're just going to get behind Donald Trump, but they're going to think they can work with him. And, and he's going to shift, right? He's been saying, oh, I've been playing a part, which is this kind of fascinating thing that maybe we'll talk about. Um, and he's going to be become more presidential. I don't really think he's able to do that, um, but we'll see. But right, this idea that the kind of the big money in the Republican Party was saying, you know, we don't really care. I mean, this is generally, right? The donors on both sides of it. We don't really care what you believe, right? We're going to let you say whatever you want to say, whatever you need to say to get elected. We just want to know that we can work with you after you get elected. And the problem is that they don't believe they can work with Ted Cruz. Um, yeah, and so it's yeah. you know it, same thing there, kind of going on on the on the smaller level at the state level. But these business leaders just know it's just not good business. Um, and but you know people are having to score political points and religious points and social points or whatever. Um, and so that's you know that's where we see all this coming from. I think. But well, it, and it's it's taking a reevaluation of what's going to get you into office. Is it you know those business leaders with the money? Or is it something like, you know, really getting down on your knees and being uh, appealing to that strand of, you know, republicanism for Ted or socialism for Bernie, you know, on on opposite sides of what, you know, where you think your base really is. And I don't, I mean, I think Ted really wants the money, um, but I think Donald has, Trump has, has, made the calculus and figured out that, okay, I, I can't really win this if I don't have kind of these moderates in my back pocket. So I've got, I've got to stop calling Ted, Lion Ted and Clinton, you know, fake Hillary or whatever he calls her. Um, you know, and I've got to straighten up and, and crooked, crooked. That's what he's calling crooked her. Hillary. That's what he's yeah. been calling her the past week or so crooked Hillary. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and you know, it's the thing that we indict Hillary Clinton or Mitt Romney for, you know, like trying to, straddle the fence to make it everyone happy and right. toe the party line. But you've got to do that <laughs> to, to get elected in this terrible two party system that we have that is not constitutional, but you know, that, that we've created for ourselves. Um, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know, to me, it, it, it reminds me of, of the concept of supersessionism. Did that make sense? Okay. Uh, explain this one to me. So we have Christianity that is an outcropping or an outcrop of Judaism. And I mean, there's a lot of flaws with what I just said. But <laughs> right. I was like, is outcrop the best word there? <laughs> in, in the modern perception, I would say. Okay. Okay. You know, right. Right. So we, we are a, a, a branch on the vine. To, that's what, that's what uh, John false. 15 says, right? Or John. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that flawed metaphor. Uh, and we've been grafted on the same one too, right? About being grafted. Yeah, in Romans, yeah. right, right. So we've been grafted onto the vine, and the vine is Judaism, and we Christians have been, you know, added to the people of God, true vine of true vine, and at the same time, we view our, as Christians, we often, speaking in generalities, look at something like Judaism and say, "Well, that's nice, but it's not complete." 
You know, you got to have Christ to get Jesus. into heaven. You got to have Jesus, uh, and that's that's the complete thing. So you got to you got a halfway right there with the Judaism stuff, and we like Leviticus, but mm, you know, you don't Parts have Jesus. It. Right, right. Yeah, or Judaism got got too legalistic. Uh, it was too much about the law and too much about humans creating their own salvation through the law rather than accepting the free grace of God. Um, and I'm not mocking that. I'm just, you know, whatever. So in the same way, it's like, to, to me, when I, when I think about this, I think of Ted Cruz or, you know, the North Carolina state legislators or, or Mississippi folks who want to say, well, you know, we have these laws and they're there and they're, they're protecting us. And there's never been a recorded case in the continental United States, if not the world, of a transgender person going into a bathroom and assaulting a, a little girl. But if there was, we'd be on the right side of history because this whole formulation that we've come up with of America is good, but it's not great. And we want to make America great again. And in order to do that, we've got to add this stuff to it. And that stuff, you know, it could be Jesus or for Ted Cruz, it could be, you know, whatever Jesus. guns and De well, he says she's, you know, deconstructing whatever is in his soup-filled head. Um, you know, so I don't know. I, I just think of the politics of supersessionism in some way have that kind of uh, that sway over over uh, that that style of, of candidate still. And that maybe that's a, a terrible branch to try to stick onto this tree. But <laughs> just to continue the the bad metaphor. Yeah, I think it's a good. So, and in general, supersessionism, I just want to, as I back out slowly from this grave that I've dug myself, supersessionism, you know, is sort of the idea that, that Christianity, well, supersedes Judaism, right? right? Yeah, so the New exactly. Testament, yeah. Yeah. So the New Testament uh, completes what Judaism started and it, it's, it's the perfection of Judaism. And, and, the, and the Jews were God's chosen people, but they are no longer. And now Christians are God's chosen people. Yeah, Exactly. Right. <laughs> I love your tweet. Um, yeah, so, so now we're the chosen people because we have Jesus and because that was the plan all along. And if the Jewish people had been smart enough or faithful enough or right with God enough or whatever they needed to be, uh, then they would have seen that and they would have found Jesus or, or God would have sent Jesus into the world for them. But, but when God did send Jesus into the world, the Jews rejected him and they killed him and... You know, we Christians, we Gentiles are, are the ones who are the true people of God now. And that's why he, he tore down their temple, because they did naughty things to Jesus. <laughs> it's in a book. Yeah. Um, you know what? You know, it's been. It's in a chick track. Oh, man. Chick tracks. Um, so when we were in D.C., right, we went to, we did this trip and went to Savannah and Charleston and D.C., um, we spent a lot of time talking and reading and thinking about supersessionism. <clears throat> um, and I've not talked about it much at all. Um, probably since then. And on the one hand, I think that's good. Uh, but on the other hand, maybe it's not because I think that, that many Christians are supersessionist, um, even though they may not, they may not use that word. Right. Um, and I think it's, I think it's a pretty problematic, um, theology to hold for a number of reasons. So for instance, if God could change God's mind and decide to no longer choose the Jews and to now choose the Christians, what's keeping God from changing God's mind and picking someone else. Right. So it's, it seems like, right. It's kind of the metaphor of like a once a cheater, always a cheater. Like, so they, che you know, he cheated on her for you, but he's not going to cheat on you. Like, why not? <laughs> um, right. So, yeah. Um, so I think I kind of get what you're saying and kind of connecting it to our, our current political system. Um, I think I get it. Yeah. I, you know, it's just that idea of something being complete and not perfect, but better than the supposed best way to do it. Right. right, so Ted Cruz, as a true believer, really gets what it be what it means to be a Republican or a constitutionalist or a Christian, and he speaks our language, and he's the one who uh, is a better Republican than Donald Trump because he professes these things that that Trump won't do or that Trump hasn't done in the past. 
right? So he, he cuts our budgets and he lowers the tax rates and, you know, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. I mean, the same could be said about Trump, you know, in, in reverse as well. But it's just that, right. I don't know, it's that politics of, of taking something that we thought was there and then trying to replace it with something that, because of, of purity reasons or, or some other idea that, that, that you know, it's, it's better than what it was. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I see that. I see that. Um, and the, I mean, supersessionism yeah. to me is just, it's so fascinating. You know, it's, it, cause it, it's a very naive sin to make, you know, because we're, we're taught as, you know, if you're a Christian in the United States, it's just sort of part of the, the culture of being a Christian to, to uh, um, assume that Christianity is something that was, you know, taken from or out of, oh, I'm sorry, oops, hit the microphone, taken out of Judaism, but then made better or made perfect, if you will. Um, and, and therefore, what it came out of is not as good. Right, yeah. But of course, but, oh, and, and here's another good connection point, I think, I, with with this metaphor. I'm, I'm trying to help you out here and buttress your metaphor. Um but within kind of the American political system, you still have to talk about that which went before as if it is great, right? Yeah. And it's the well, same way within Christianity in the way that it talks about Judaism, right? You, it still has to be held up as this kind of special sacred thing, even though you essentially, you know, most Christians are essentially ignoring all of it. Just like, you know, many people today are essentially ignoring uh, most of what went before them politically in this country. Yeah, that's a great point because uh, even you know, sort of the most conservative fundamentalist, hardcore holiness, Southern Baptist preacher yeah, is is going to support Israel. You know, and they're going to talk about you know the place of Israel in the world. In this case, because that's where Jesus is going to come back and start, you know, the uh, uh, you know the end times and all that good stuff. But still, it has a place, it has a role, even though it's diminished. Yeah. And and it, I don't know. I think it's I think it's interesting to think about that in connection to American culture because the United States itself is is seen, whether it's Trump or Cruz or I mean even Hillary and and Bernie talk about this. You know, we're we were founded as a city on a on a hill. You know, we were the New Jerusalem. Right. You know, you've got the Alex de Tocqueville stuff, and you've got, yep. you've got, you know, all these incredible writings about America as as the salvation for humanity, and we are Europe perfected. You know, so we we took everything out of Europe that was good with, you know, Milton and Keynes, or you know, not Keynes, uh, with with, uh, um, you know, man, and and this idea yeah. of law and and trying to figure out, you know, the rights of man. And we made it better, and we wrote this great constitution. And it took us a try, you know, because we didn't get it right the first time, but we got the constitution out of this finally, and that's kind of the New Testament of European law. Right, yeah, so we, we did the Magna Carta one better. Yeah, and, and you still see, I mean, you know, you get, you get to the National Archives today, and they've got copies of the Magna Carta, and then there's the De uh, Declaration of Independence, and then there's a constitution, right? So it's this this vine idea of, okay, yeah, the Magna Carta is great. Okay. Certain liberties. And we needed that. And it was a stepping stone to what we got, which is the constitution, right, just so like Judaism is a stepping stone. Yeah. So it's progressive revelation, right? Except. Yeah, exactly. Except exactly. generally most people that I've met that espouse progressive revelation stop with the revelation that they like. Right. So like, yeah, God has just revealed more and more stuff kind of over time until, you know, it all culminated in the new Testament and Jesus. It's like, well, why did it stop? Why did it have to stop then? Like, how do we know it's not still going on? Um, and the same type of thing, right? And like, it's the Constitution, right? So we have originalists or so-called originalists um, of the Constitution. And the idea that like, at this point in time is when it was, I don't know, it's most sacred. And so we're going to stop there. Yeah, right. I mean, and, and Ted Cruz, and I mean, Trump, but definitely Ted Cruz as someone who's worked in the legal system all of his life calls himself a strict constitutionalist 
and you know this the Second Amendment and blah blah blah. Um, we're gonna ignore the the uh, uh, what you call it clause establishment clause. Right. Uh, but when it when it comes to the Second Amendment, we have to take that literally, just like we do the KJV, because that's the perfected Bible. Uh, so for us, the Constitution is the the perfected way to live on Earth as humans. And if we would just go back to the Constitution, everything would be okay. Just like if we just went back to the KJV, presumably just the New Testament and the Psalms, like in my first Bible <laughs> that right. I had. Yep. Um, just the parts that we like. Right. Uh, then everything's going to be so okay. So the KJV, like, 19th century, right? Not the one before where they included the Apocrypha, right? But then, right. Right, this is, and this, <laughs> is, one of my, this is one of my okay. favorite examples in class when I'm telling my students it's all always about money and power, right? When I tell them the story of, like, uh, you know, kind of the, the major funder behind printing the Bible said we're not going to fund it anymore if you keep putting those, you know, the Apocrypha in there, and so they took it out. Right. And so like literally with that decision, like the canon changes for an entire group of people. Yep. So anyway, it's all always about money and power. Um, or another way to say it is all religion is politics. <laughs> we did a whole thing on Sunday school about canon and people were just blown away by that. And the idea that, you know, basically <laughs> having to print the, the extra paper, you know, really uh, kind of change the canon and that's why if you go to a catholic church it's you know you're going to get a little different bible than what you right. get if you or you know orthodox or say uh ethiopian orthodox church or you know, oh yeah i mean whatever, that, right? right i mean it's just or, yeah this, it's, it's just kind of very narrow mindset that like the canon is is uh, is closed um <laughs> so so before we wrap up just to extend this tortured metaphor could supersessionism also apply to things like gender because we started off talking about how cisgender and was it genderqueer yeah. are now, uh, which dictionary are they included? Uh, the, the now, the new, uh, the unabridged Merriam-Webster's. Mary, okay, wow, that's huge. Um, and cisgender means relating to a person whose gender identity corresponds with the sex of the person that they, or the sex that the person had when they were born. Right. So I'm I'm cisgender because I'm a male and I and you were I identified as a male when you were born, right? Right. Yeah. And then so gender queer yeah. is not the opposite of that, but it's someone who cannot be categorized as solely male or female. Right. They do not identify right. um, along a along kind of a gender binary. Yeah. Right. So it, it's kind of like gender fluid, if you will. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'd never heard of the word gender queer before all of this, um, and and that's terrible on my part, and I'm I'm doing more work to learn more about this, but, um, that's such an <laughs> freighted, interesting word. Uh, so if you take supersessionism and you think about gender and identity and, you know, male or female, um, God, who was I listening to? The, oh, it was, a, it was another podcast, uh, a group of reformed guys, uh, do a, a podcast. Um, I'm not going to say the name cause I don't want to give them <laughs> free publicity. They can advertise. Uh, basically they, they were talking about this with the transgender uh, situation and, and then women in leadership and saying, well, you know, there, there are clear identity roles laid out in the Bible and, you know, right. second Timothy. Right. Um, isn't that a form of super, uh, supersessionism? You know, just being able to identify or say I'm Thomas and I'm a guy and I'm white and I'm heterosexual and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to say you look like a woman. So therefore you should be a woman. Right. I mean, is that a, is that supersessionism? I'm trying to think of what would have been there and then what would have been superseded. Uh, their identity, you know, who, okay. who they can so so is so gender queer is superseding cisgender. Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. I'm saying like when another person identifies you you with something. So okay, I don't I want I don't want a grown man with a dress on going into the bathroom with my eight-year-old daughter right right but that's me i keep hitting the mic i got a new stand i'm sorry that's me uh, uh ascribing a certain identity onto a person that is not you know fair or or warranted in some regards but just the the act of identification is that super sessionistic <laughs> that's not a good adjective either but I don't know, man. I'm struggling making that connection. <laughs> I mean, I see what you're getting at. 
Uh, and maybe I'm just caught up right in kind of my own set of definitions and trying to see something superseding something else. But I guess it is someone else's I someone else's understanding and identity uh, superseding the person's own understanding and identity. Yeah, that's what maybe. I mean. Okay, yeah, yeah, I could see it that way. I could see it that way. I mean, to, right? To, you know, at least for the purposes of of you know having this thread tied through the entire show, right? And I mean, don't try this at home, kids. We are we are professionals here. We're deep in some two and uh, some yeah Foucault shed here, right? This is uh, this is knee deep. I don't know. How's your beard? Pretty good. Pretty good. Solid. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm keeping it trimmed up shorter now. Um, so how do you do that? How do you, how do you trim your beard? What are you using? I've got, you know, I don't even know. Like I have a couple different sets of clippers and the one I end up using on my beard is, I don't even know what brand it is. Um, it's, but it's a smaller one, which is good kind of getting, you know, like in some tighter places, uh, than say the larger, like wall trimmer that I use That's what I have. for my, right. um, like for my hair, you know? All right. Um, so yeah, I trim it up. Um, about every uh, every week or two, right now, um, you know, try to keep it on just a decent a decent length. Um, <clears throat> haven't gone to the stubble yet. Uh, I don't know if I'll go that short, but it's good. You know, it's funny because it, we had this conversation last time, right? Like, I don't ever think about people th- what people conceive how they conceive of me with facial hair. But when I was so. Um, my graduation is a week from today, my commencement. I will walk across the stadium and not actually get handed my diploma, but I will be hooded, you know, as, you know, with my doctorate. So that's good. Um, <laughs> right. But, you know, you had to stand in this insanely long line and pick up your regalia and fill out this form. Um, and one of the things you have to do on the form is to help the photographer tell them, like, like you can check these things. Like, if you want to say, I wear glasses, or if you want to say, here's what color my hair is, or facial hair. And I was like, Oh yeah, I guess I should check facial hair. I have facial hair, but so it's again kind of this. I, I I think it ties into what we're talking about, right? But but like how like realizing that that you are perceived, right? It's kind of an interesting thing in realizing how you're perceived, um, particularly when you don't think about it, right? So with my tattoos, for instance, like I don't ever think about. I hardly ever think about my tattoos anymore. But then you know, every now and then somebody's like, Oh, what's that tattoo? And I'm like, what? Oh, you mean this one here? The one that I have had for a long time and don't ever think about, you know? Um, so it's like, it's yeah. part of my identity. Um, but it maybe doesn't match someone else's, you know, perception or, or it's, I don't know. And anyway, so are, are you saying you have tattoo privilege? Yes, I have tattoo privilege. Because if I had a tattoo, I would you know, constantly be like, oh, man, it, oh, let me stretch. And oh, yeah, yeah see that tattoo? for like the first couple of weeks. But then after that, like, I mean, I've had, you know, some of these for a really long time, you know, for years. So, um, yeah, then you, I don't know. You just forget about it. I do. I just forget about it. Like, I don't think about it. Yeah, I had another big bi- uh, business meeting today with you know, a bunch of people in suits. And uh, I, I it's it's a short beard intentionally uh but yeah this morning i looked at mariana you know like 7 a.m and i was like should i should I shave before this she was like no you're fine but it constantly goes through my head um yeah especially in business situations yeah what i guess you know, you know my benefit is that i've not been in like the quote-unquote real world for a really long time like right <laughs> in the academy like one right if you google professor it's a white dude with a beard Okay, so I'm kind of just fitting. I just fit in the mold right now as a white dude with a beard. Um, so, but, the, but then you know, uh, we we talk about Bowie and we talk about Prince and these people and, and the Beatles, for God's sakes, you know, these people who said screw you to those conventions. And I really look up to those people, and I I, I want to be artistic, you know. And it's like, well, if I want to grow a beard, I'm going to grow a beard. Um, because, yeah, what, what I've been doing is, is taking a number one with the wall shaver, yeah. putting the number one clip on and just, you know, doing the beard like once a week. And, uh, yeah, it, it's short. I mean, it could definitely be longer. But my beard is so gray now. <laughs> it's like I look like Santa Claus when I grow it out. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's it's uh, not really what I was going for. But then I'm like, well, I'll just let it grow. Like, who cares? Yeah, just do the ZZ Top thing, man. I thought about that, but then I have a wife who's 
smoking hot, you know, and I got it. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. We will now no, uh, take five minutes to talk about our smoking hot wife. <laughs> Dear Jesus, thank you for my smoking hot wife. I do have to get some beard oil. Um, Dude, I've been, well, I, mean, I don't have to, yeah. but I've been, I've, I've, um, I had been buying some that I was a really big fan of, but I decided to make some and I've been, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Really, really happy with it. Um, some, uh, you know, I don't even remember the, uh, I guess recipe I use now, but uh, two different kinds of kind of like base oils. I think one is grapeseed oil or the other one is maybe like linseed or something after look. Um, and then, uh, a couple essential oils, not a lot, right? Just a few drops of those. And, um, so I've got some lavender in there, something else. Uh, but w- what I want to get is I want to get some uh, sandalwood oil, and I want to make a I want to make a recipe with some sandalwood oil uh, because that's just a smell that I really like. So um, I, and I also feel like well. yeah, probably not going to get any patchouli. But um, <laughs> right, so the, the beard oil I was buying, which is a fantastic product, was twenty five dollars for what is that essentially an ounce that you get? Now, holy it crap! Lasts like six months, really, because you only use a few drops at a time. Um, $25. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was buying, you know, you know, mid range beard oil, not top of the line, but not that's mid range stuff. Yeah. (laughs) But, but I, I went one day, went to like the local GNC, bought $60 worth of supplies. And I, I don't, I haven't even calculated it, but I'm sure that I could make beard oil that would last me for 10 years out of the supplies I bought. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, it's also a cheaper way to do it too. And you get to like change it up. Like, oh, I yeah. like this, but I also yeah. want to make this other kind of recipe. And, you know, for like, this is a little more springy. Maybe it's a little bit more rustic or you know, whatever. <laughs> like, you know, some, put some tea tree. I'm a big fan of tea tree, right? That's kind of crisp. Yeah. Tea tree. I, I like, like tea that. Tree. Like, we don't really get winter down here in Florida. So like for three weeks, I have to really do all the winter thing I can. So that that's in my shampoo now because I oh it's great I, I, isn't it yeah and the tingle yeah okay we should probably yeah. stop now evidently <laughs> yeah, I have really I'm a big fan of tea tree, tree so <laughs> and and uh, tea tree oil is also what we use in uh, in uh, the uh, the diapers uh, for uh, cloth diapers really yeah really so you're doing the cloth diaper thing too we have some no reason. I did I did it with, I did it with our, our oldest daughter there. okay okay well so we have some friends of ours down here that did i don't know if she's out of cloth diapers out of diapers now but they did i don't know that they still have to anymore but we're doing that i guess she still is um it's 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 really an amazing experience because i mean first of all it really encourages you encourages you to uh potty train your, your damn kid really quickly, quickly. Right, yeah. exactly yeah <laughs> uh, yeah so it's like six months old and they're sitting on the potty and you're like poop um you know uh, but also it you get into the cycle, you know, so even with our son now, who's five months old, we, we kind of anticipate when he's going to, right. you know, go to, the, go to potty. Um, and I could see it's very soon, like, you know, transfer that to actually using the potty rather than his, his diaper. Um, but it, it's more out of just both of us working and not, I mean, there, there's no way we would have the time to do that right now. Cause it's, it's definitely a, uh, it's a lifestyle. Oh, right. <laughs> you will. Right. Yes, exactly. You know, yeah, and I, you can't stop a plastic yeah. diaper on a on a cloth diaper baby because they freak out. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's it's cool. Um, I enjoyed it with our daughter. Uh, but it was, it, it I don't know. It's almost like meditative, <laughs> in a weird sense. I'll um, uh, I'll just take your word for that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, if if things ever happen, you know, and, and you need some tips. Yeah. Tea tree oil. It's, that's, it's amazing stuff. Um, what was the other thing I wanted to ask you before we wrap up beards? Did you get a new bag? Not yet. Okay. And I'm back to using my, my Maxpedition bag. I got this little cloth bag that was really awesome. I was using that for a while, but and it looks like a purse. Yeah. But uh, uh, but I I am. I mean, we both know I am getting a new bag. So it will be. Uh, I didn't know if it came in or, or if, if you were using it yet. I I'm not wanna... using it yet, um, but it is sitting out. I've just seen some pictures. I mean, the packaging is great. I know what it is. How do you do that? And it's like it's sitting out and it's just taunting me, but only for just another week. It. So that's ridiculous. So I'm fine. Like I'm I've never really been there. Well, I guess maybe when I was really young. Uh, but since then, like I'm completely fine waiting for gifts and 
Like you can surprise me or you can not, and that's fine with me too. But I am super excited about it, so I'll have to talk yeah. about it once I once I get it. So No, I, I mean today we got our shipment of uh kind bars and dog food. Yeah, yeah. Toilet paper. And the the shipment came in from Am well, I got the text message this morning, like, hey, the, you know, your monthly shipment of this stuff is gonna be delivered. And I got excited. Right. <laughs> and as soon as it was delivered, I ran downstairs and like cut up in the box with my knife and <laughs> like, Yay, we got new dog food. <laughs> so anyway all right well all right what are, um is there anything we need to know there. about the show uh before we wrap up here yes i was gonna uh, you can hear ben i was gonna talk about that we um we're launch partners with google which is very exciting on their podcast initiative so now on google play music uh you can actually listen to podcasts and there's a link in the show notes or if you just go i don't know if it, it, i don't think it's completely working yet it's not working on mobile uh, I think that's coming next week or, or the week after. Uh, but you can go on there and uh, search for Thinking.fm or Thinking of Religion, and, and you'll find our great podcast and Thinking Out Loud as well. And I forgot the other one, Thinking Tech, I think is out there as well. Um, so it's pretty cool. We're, we're excited about that. And Google, you know, reached out, got what what was that, like early last year um, when they when they were announcing yeah. all this. So now podcast makers have to have to wait for a little bit, but we were lucky enough to be a launch partner. So that's kind of cool. Made me feel good about the show that we got included in that. Uh, we have not forgotten about questions that have come in. Um, keep sending them in. We will uh, continue to read them and look at your questions and comments and occasionally incorporate them into the show. It has nothing to do, or at least we'll tell you, <laughs> has nothing to do with the quality of the questions. Now, there are a lot of good questions that just don't kind of fit in with what we're trying to do sometimes uh, or maybe not this week maybe they will later so uh, anyway keep sending that feedback in we we really enjoyed that um, for all of the brilliance that uh, is Sam and I um, Sam and me um, you can follow us on Twitter and you should so you can follow Sam at Sam Harrelson you can follow me at Thomas Whitley and you can always find more great podcasts at thinking.fm <laughs>